0: Good morning. I'm Jim Swan with CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario, Jennifer Matthews.
1: Thanks, Jim, and good morning. Welcome to Ask BBB. We bring you information from and about accredited businesses so that as a consumer, you are better informed about services and products. As well, we present information of interest to businesses. And this morning, we'll talk about an article available on BBB.org that provides leaders with ways to avoid team burnout.
0: Well, one of the services available to help us cope with the physical demands of work and play is massage therapy. And this morning, we'll learn when massage therapy is appropriate, as well as how registered massage therapists are trained when we're joined by Amy Jawahar, who is a registered massage therapy instructor at Westervelt College.
1: Someone said if your feet hurt, you hurt all over. And while statistics show that 75% of Canadians experience foot pain at one time or another. Solving foot pain is part of what our next guest does every day. Don MacArthur-Turner is president of Custom Orthotics of London. Welcome to Ask BBB. Good morning.
2: Thank you for having
1: me this morning. So, Don, can you share with us what are some of the most common foot problems people might encounter? Well, I think the most common foot problems we
2: see today are plantar fasciitis. It's as simple as people have painful bunions, calluses on their feet, Um, they might have blisters or sores. They might have been told they have a heel spur or their doctor might have told them they have metatarsalgia.
1: And so to come and use some of your services, does somebody need to be referred by a physician?
2: Well, we are providers of the orthotics. We do not prescribe. And most third-party insurance companies or funding agencies in the community require a prescription from a medical doctor. So Uh, usually what ends up happening is they might present in our office with a foot problem. And then, you know, we determine from there if it's a symptom such as a heel pain or a burning in the ball of the foot. And from there, we need to determine is the symptom caused from a pathology or is it biomechanical in nature? So sometimes the physicians refer directly to us and other times our clientele come to us not realizing that they should see their physician first
1: and what are some of the long-term consequences of not seeking proper attention for foot problems well
2: initially some of the symptoms might be very mild and they can progress to a serious problem Uh, for example someone who is diabetic you know they may have limited feeling in their feet and they might have been told from their doctor that they suffer from neuropathy So they know they have limited feeling and they know they have limited sensation in their feet, but they might've bought a pair of shoes that are too small or too snug. And from there, um, the tightness might've caused a blister or an ulcer, you know, rubbing in a spot of the shoe. And you have to remember these clients have no feeling. And if they wear their shoe all day, a minor little red mark at the beginning of the morning turns into a blister at the end of the day.
0: Don, should we expect changes in our feet as we age are there problems that are particular to to aging
2: there's no doubt a 60 year old foot does not work the same as a 20 year old foot and I'd love to have the fountain of youth but I don't (laughs) and uh, that that is one thing that we do have to determine when people come in is it an underlying problem from aging Or is there something that is more serious? So for instance, as you age, it's not uncommon for your arches to drop, your feet to widen. You know, you might have underlying medical conditions that cause swelling in your feet and edema in your legs. So you might be at the stage in your life when not only do you need foot orthotics, but you need compression hose and special shoes to go along with it.
1: So Don, as we walk into the clinic, Can you walk us through, and the pun is intended, what we would expect from our visit? Certainly. So, the first
2: thing that would happen is we would have a referral to the office. Usually, it's from a physician, it might be from your specialist, an orthopedic surgeon or a neurologist. And it might even be somebody that's called in off the street that has said, I don't have a family physician. Can I come in first to talk to you? When they come in, we do an assessment of the client, we look at the feet, we do a medical history. And we watch them or do what's called a gait analysis in the clinic. We actually watch to see, is there a biomechanical problem? You know, are the arches dropped down? Is there swelling in the feet? Is there any redness, calluses, any blisters? All those things are kind of a red sign for us that we need to divulge a little further into their either their history, their medical history, or what they do for activities of daily living. You know, for example, are they wearing steel-toed work boots, you know, on a hard concrete floor? Or are they the weekend warrior who goes out and goes for a 10K run? From there, we can make a treatment plan, you know, that best meets their goals. So once they leave the office, we have taken the measurements and we've taken a plaster impression or a mold of their foot. And from that mold, we fabricate the orthotic device. We have them come back 10 days to two weeks later and we custom fit them into the footwear they bring to the clinic. So if they are wearing steel-toed work boots, they need to bring their work boots. If they're, you know, as I said, um, doing a training for a run, they need to bring their running shoes. After we've realized all the, or after we've evaluated that all their needs have been addressed, then we normally have them come back for a follow-up because walking around in our office up and down the hall, is different than out in the real world. So we want them to use their orthotic, we want them to use them for four to six weeks, and then come back in. So we can determine that they are working for them. And if they aren't, we need to do a little, you know, we need to do an adjustment so that it is working for them.
1: And when your clients get new orthotics, is it something they should wear constantly during the day? You need to have a
2: weaning in period. You just can't jump into wearing new shoes and new orthotics and expect your feet to feel like you did when you were 20. The weaning in period for a 20-year-old is different than an 80-year-old. And how long
1: should we expect the orthotics to last?
2: Somebody that is um, retired, that's only using their orthotics to walk the dog those orthotics are going to last a lot longer than my client that works in Godrich, you know, in the salt, the Sifto salt mines, those are orthotics need a little bit extra care. But generally, a rule of thumb is you should at least get a couple years out of your orthotics. If you're not, we need to readdress the situation. Do we need to use different materials so that they last longer for whatever you're pounding the pavement on, so to speak?
1: And do you find that people would get multiple pairs, perhaps? And I'm thinking, you know, for myself, I would get a pair maybe for my running shoes and then work, you know, dress shoes, is that very common? That's, that's extremely
2: common. Most people, once they start wearing foot orthotics, all of a sudden, you know, they're no longer in pain. You know, they can go out and they can do their activities of daily living, it's most people don't buy three pairs at once. It's kind of over a time span, you know, when their insurance gets renewed, they might get a second pair. Or, you know, some people just say, no, I can't believe how wonderful my feet feel. I need them for all my shoes. And I need them now. Uh, You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, the old song, the foot bone connected to the knee bone, you know, when your feet feel better, it translates to Healthier knees and healthier hips and backs, so we do feel better overall.
0: Well, thanks very much, Don, for helping us put our best foot forward here today on Ask BBB.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. It's always enjoyable coming in and and talking with you again.
0: We've been talking with Don MacArthur Turner, president of Custom Orthotics of London, an accredited business with BBB with an A plus rating. Customer Orthotics of London, was a finalist in BBB's 2019 Business Integrity Awards.
1: Stay tuned. After the break, we'll help you get in touch with
0: massage therapy. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Jennifer Matthews, who is the CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario.
1: So before our break, we said we'd get in touch with massage therapy. And to do that, we have invited Amy Jawa here, massage therapy instructor at Westervelt College, to join us. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. We want to talk about what massage therapy is and its benefits, and also about the training that qualifies a registered massage therapist. So we'll start with what is massage therapy?
3: So massage therapy is one of the regulated health professions in Ontario. So like doctors and physiotherapists, chiropractors, we have a set of laws that we need to follow to make sure that we are always uh, delivering a high standard of care to our clients. Now massage therapists specifically focus on soft tissues like muscles and ligaments and joints. um, And we approach those tissues using manual techniques. So you can think of deep tissue massage or light relaxation massage to work on that uh, that tissue. We also often include an exercise plan at the end of our treatments for clients to follow at home so that they get the most benefits and hopefully can reach their goals um, as quickly as possible.
1: What are some of the benefits people can expect from massage therapy?
3: Benefits are very variable and really it should be uh, almost unique to every appointment. Your massage therapist is likely to have a discussion with you before you get on the table, before they start doing the actual massage so that they can establish your goals and that you can work together to develop a plan to reach those goals. Common goals clients come to me for, in my experience, are rehab from injuries like rehab following a sports injury, or following a car accident, or an injury at work. It can also just be preventative measures to 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 prevent, you know, injuries from developing for athletes, especially things like managing discomfort from pregnancy is a really common goal for client for pregnant clients coming to massage or or rotator cuff repair and rehab and so on.
1: Do people need to be referred by a physician for massage therapy treatment?
3: No, so RMTs all have the knowledge and the training to assess clients and determine a safe and effective treatment approach. Now, in the event your massage therapist determines that it is not safe to treat you, they may refer you to your doctor for more tests and a diagnosis just to make sure. But a little asterisk here, some health care benefit plans, some extended health benefits may require a referral from a doctor in order for you to get reimbursed for your fees from a massage. So it is not required for you to go get a treatment, but it may be required
1: for your insurance to cover it. In order to become a massage therapist, what are some of the prerequisites to enter the course at Westervelt?
3: At Westervelt, we require a grade 12 completion like your Ontario secondary school diploma or an equivalent. Also, we need a clear criminal record check with a vulnerable sector screening done. And you would come into Westervelt, you'd speak with an admissions officer and have a personal interview done and an aptitude test that's approved by the ministry just to determine if it's a right fit for you.
1: What are some of the subjects that would be covered during the course?
3: So, there are a ton of different subjects that we have to cover in about the two year program. To break it down, there's going to be some supervised hands on courses where you're going to learn your manual skills. You're going to have assessments courses where you're going to learn to evaluate your clients and make sure that treatment is safe and effective. Then, you're going to have a lot of theory courses like uh, kinesiology where you're studying movement physiology, where you're studying function and anatomy, and pathology, where you're covering a lot of different diseases that are relevant. Then at Westervelt, we also have business courses, uh, law and ethics courses. You'll get your first aid and CPR done as well, which you will need to go into practice. And you'll also even have an interview and resume skills workshop.
0: That's quite a broad range of uh, topics. And you mentioned that it's a two-year course. Is it a full-time, uh, five-day-a-week, or is it part-time?
3: So it's 22 months technically, and it's five hours a day. So it is full-time, but it does, it's scheduled in such a way that you can, you know, have a life outside school as well. And most students do. Many students have families at home, have hobbies, and so on.
1: On completing the course, what types of employment opportunities are there?
3: Tons. Tons. So massage therapy is one of those things that you learn and you own the skill and you can take it to many different places within ontario where again we are registered and regulated uh, you'll tend to see massage therapists in group settings where they're working as part of a team like in a clinic with physios or chiros or some mix but if you prefer to work alone then there are those entrepreneurial opportunities where you can work from home or you can work in an office all on your own. Then there's, you know, the variety extends all the way to spas and hotels and other medical facilities like long-term care homes. And if you wish to ever leave Ontario, you can even take this skill to a resort. You can take this skill to cruises and work in those types of environments as well.
0: You talked a little bit about the benefits, but uh, do people uh, schedule massage therapy on a regular basis just to maintain health amy
3: you'll get the spectrum in my experience i always have you know some clients that have this kind of maintenance schedule especially when their workplace kind of puts them under the same stress all the time like if you're working at a desk lots of people tend to develop tension in their neck and shoulders So a regular massage can help keep any injuries or headaches that can come along with that workplace scenario um, at bay, keep them from becoming a problem.
0: And can you just talk a little bit about uh, the changes and impact of COVID-19 in terms of access to massage therapy and uh, and other situations?
3: So always, even before COVID, we've had to have uh, fairly strict cleaning practices in place between every client, you know, all your linens are gonna be washed, all the surfaces you've touched need to be clean and sanitized. But with COVID-19 and the additional screening that has to take place, just like any other restaurant you go to, um, you, RMTs are not able to schedule as many clients in a day. And as such, it can be hard to get an appointment. I know that most RMTs are fully booked uh, for weeks ahead of time. So COVID has made it harder to get in to see your massage therapist.
0: So once we have an appointment, I guess we want to make sure that we keep it (laughs) and uh, we want to find that relief. Amy, we we want to thank you for your time here this morning uh, on Ask BBB. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Our guest has been Amy Jawahar, massage therapy instructor with Westervelt College. Search Westervelt College in the BBB.org directory where you'll see they have an A-plus rating. And from there, you can connect to their website to learn more about the Registered Massage Therapy course and all the other courses offered at Westervelt College.
1: Avoiding burnout is important for us as individuals. In a moment, some BBB tips on the steps leaders can take to avoid team burnout.
0: And we're back with the final portion of Ask BBB.
1: I'm Jennifer Matthews.
0: And I'm Jim Swan. Jennifer is the CEO of BBB, serving Western Ontario.
1: Burnout isn't new, but the pandemic created pressures none of us had experienced. And as a result, many more people reported burnout. The statistics in the BBB Tips for Leaders used a survey of US workers, but it is safe to assume similar conditions exist here. In a survey of 1,500 employees, 52% said that they had experienced burnout at some point in 2021, and 80% stated that COVID 19 had an impact, and 67% indicated it has gotten worse since the start of the pandemic.
0: So as as individuals, uh, Jennifer, I think we probably know when we're approaching our own burnout, but as, as leaders, what should leaders watch for in their employees?
1: So the BBB article listed six common signs of burnout. And here's what that says. Employees are showing new or heightened signs of anxiety or nervousness. Employees are experiencing frustration or anger with their situation and are lashing out at one another. Sometimes they are expressing a sense of helplessness or hopelessness. They could be showing signs of physical illness. Some have been demonstrating signs of isolation or depression. And sometimes it can be a loss of control.
0: A lot of things to to watch for there, Jennifer. We, so we see the signs. Uh, what does the article say that we can do?
1: So one of the tips has recently been echoed by Ontario's Labour Minister, and that dis- that surrounds the discussion of communications boundaries and how we set them. And as staff have worked remotely, they have been digitally accessible all day long. And beyond regular work hours. So leaders need to recognize this and set digital boundaries. And also, along the lines of communication, check in with employees. Especially if they are working remotely, you need to check in and see how your team is doing. Not only does this help you know that they are on track, but it also allows you to assess how they are feeling about their jobs and their work environment. A couple of other tips you'll find in that BBB article are offer flexible work options when possible, and promote both physical and mental well-being.
0: Can you expand a little bit on, on those, Jennifer?
1: Sure. Flexible work doesn't always mean work from home. It can also come in the form of flexible work hours, the flexibility in the type of work they take on, and how that's distributed through the day or the week. When you provide that type of flexibility to your team, you allow them to work in ways that work best for them, and that results in increased satisfaction as well as productivity. When we're discussing promoting team health, consider offering your employees the opportunity to take breaks throughout the day to exercise, relax, perhaps get out and get some fresh air. If your team is working from home, make sure that they have the necessary equipment to get their job done effectively.
0: Good, solid advice. And our listeners can review that information if they visit bbb.org.
1: You'll find this article and many more, all designed to keep you informed and successful.
0: And speaking of information, this is the weekend we turn our clocks back so we get an extra hour to cope with whatever it is that's out there. And a reminder that you can contact us anytime on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT. Thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan.
1: And I'm Jennifer Matthews.
0: Remember to ask BBB.
1: And start with trust.